Welcome to Seeing Second Sports, brought to you by Mills Fine Wine and Spirits and Academy Consulting. I'm Chris Cervello, filling in for John Schofield, joined by Ward Carroll, class of 82, and our special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing great. All right. Doing great, Chris. Glad to have you filling in for John. We originally were going to do a, a review of the busy weekend, but before we talk about everything that happened over the weekend, let's talk about the press release that w- and the decision that uh, came to light last night. Uh, if you're like me, you're sitting, uh, you know, kind of settling in after a long weekend, and then you look at your inbox and you see the email, Naval Academy Athletics on pause for a minimum of 10 days except men's basketball. The four of us immediately jumped on uh, text and went back and forth. Wags, what do you know about this decision? And, you know, what, what can you tell us about kind of the, the short and long-term uh, effects? Well, Chris, first of all, I mean, you talk about kind of being there live. Uh, Ward and I were leaving Alumni Hall as we exited the arena proper into the lobby area, we saw Scott Strassmeyer of Navy Sports Information on a phone call, and it looked pretty serious. Ward, do you remember that? Last I do time? remember it. I do remember it. Yeah. He looked very uh, focused. Um, he kind of waved goodbye. Know, yeah. Now we know why. He, he was on the phone with uh, someone with the Naval Academy informing him of a pause, and he obviously went back into the arena and wrote a press release, which I got home to write my Navy men's basketball story and the press release pops up. So um, yeah, kind of crazy. Uh, We're covering a lot of Navy sports this week. John was over at soccer. Ward was at men's lacrosse. Ward joined me at men's basketball. So we had no inkling that everything was about to shut down. Uh, But Navy, a minimum of 10 days, no athletic activities whatsoever. Men's basketball has been spared because of the fact that the players have been off campus. Uh, when they saw an uptick in COVID cases on campus, they moved the men's basketball team across the Severn River to what is known as Navy Lodge. It's over there at the North Severn location, that, that little base. And so men's basketball players have not been intermingling with the Brigade of Midshipmen, which is why men's basketball has been spared. Let me just first point out for our listeners something very important. Basketball is the only sport in all of intercollegiate athletics and at the Naval Academy in which one positive test involving any tier one individual causes the entire program to shut down. In other sports, such as lacrosse, an attackman can get COVID, but that doesn't mean the whole team shuts down. Only those that work closely with him and involved with contact tracing are out. So no other sport is affected the way that basketball is. And that's part of why the decision was made to move basketball players out of uh, Bancroft Hall and across the river to to Navy Lodge because they didn't want this great season to get shut down. And that's what's happened to Navy women's basketball. Navy women's basketball season is over. They will not participate in the Patriot League tournament. For all the other sports, they'll resume in time. Um, They're going to lose a game this coming weekend or competitions, depending on what their sport is. But 
Uh, the other sports will resume and get back to activity. It's women's basketball is the big loser here. Their season's over. Ward? So more broadly than just Navy sports, as we like to focus the show from time to time, this is a brigade situation. Um, and the soup, as we know from last semester, is, is trying to bend but not break with respect to allowing folks from the age of 18 to 22 some recreational activities and not just Division I varsity athletes when we say that. So as we know with any undergraduate situation, imagine being locked on your campus for months on end. It, it's, it's not good for the psyche. So just like last semester, they allowed some liberty. And so in the face of liberty, as has been the calculus since COVID hit, the COVID rate went way up and they, they had a COVID spike in recent weeks. Um, I do understand anecdotally that the soup had an all call with the brigade and, and basically uh, um, was a little heavy handed in terms of, hey, tried to give you guys liberty and you, you didn't manage it correctly with respect to social distancing and all the other COVID protocols. So as a function of that, the brigade does not have a liberty. I was actually on the yard meeting with one of the midshipmen that um, we assist with one of the extracurricular activities, did a meeting with her in Nimitz on Monday, and it kind of felt like normal dark ages academia. People were walking between classes. It sort of gave me a feeling of good kind of nostalgia with the idea that we might get back to normal. So overnight, that uh, situation has changed drastically in that now they're back to distance learning. There's no in-classroom academics happening, just like last semester. So they tried to move forward with having everybody actually go to academic buildings to do their classes with profs in person. So they had actually reached that point, and now that's over, and we're back to profs beaming in via Zoom and everybody in Bancroft Hall, no liberty. So this situation is bigger and has a bigger bearing on the morale of the brigade brigade wide, right? Because here we are, it's, it's only now March 1st. Um, we're not even to midterms yet, you know? And so we can start to, as we're thinking about things we didn't do last year, commissioning week and Blue Angels and all these other things that we assumed were going to happen. And then we get into, are we going to have a normal bleep summer? Are we going to have to do an ISO period and all the other stuff that we assumed was happening, quote unquote, normally, now we've taken a big step backwards. So I just want to frame it beyond just Navy athletics, which is obviously what we care about first and foremost on Sing Second. And as Wag said, we had a fun day yesterday. We were on the case. We were dividing and conquering. John's covering women's soccer. I'm at the Navy's men's lacrosse game. And then Wags and I descend on Navy basketball. It was awesome. And the teams were performing very well. If they didn't win, they went to overtime and barely lost. Um, and so uh, we'll talk about the details of those in a second. But I just want to make sure that this becomes, uh, that we frame this more broadly than just the impact on sports. And, and so the soup is, has had to make a hard call. And this has kind of been his tenure since he relieved Ted Carter is worrying about COVID. And I know he's not happy that that may define his time on the job. Um, and so here's hoping we do get vaccinated and everybody gets back to normal. But for right now, bottom line is we've taken a huge step backwards. Or that context is uh, it's helpful and, and it's important. Um, 
as a communicator, I, I you know dissected this press release. Um, the word minimum in the in the headline is what I immediately kind of looked at, right? So it's a minimum of 10 days. Wags, what's the go, no go? Um, do we do we know that? Like, I mean, what do they look at the the numbers writ large? I mean, what what are you hearing in terms of whether that number gets dialed up beyond 10 days or is it too early to tell at this point? You know, that's a really good question, Chris, and I'm looking into that. I'm going to be having a, I'm hoping to speak with Dr. Saperstein, who heads up the medical community at the Naval Academy and really makes the ultimate call on these things and try to find out, of, you know, what goes into these decisions. And But uh, you're right, it's a minimum of 10 days. It could be more. Uh, let's pray it's not. But let's hope that, as Ward mentioned, that everybody gets ship shape, that, you know, uh, that the moves the soup's making, along with people being a little wiser and smarter in their interactions, leads to a decrease in COVID cases and we can get back to having sports because it's a shame. Navy men's and women, as we'll talk about, a lot of stuff got going this weekend. Navy men's and women's soccer, women's and men's lacrosse are in their second weekend of play. And it just really stinks to to get going and feel good and then all of a sudden shut down. So and the other, what's to note is that when we say shut down, no practices. So you're not getting better, um, and you're going to have to need, need a few days to get reacclimated before you can have a contest. So this is definitely a setback, Chris. Ward, I, you and I have talked a, a couple times about um, you know you, you mentioned the superintendent's tenure being. Uh, largely dominated by COVID, if not completely dominated by uh, th- this pandemic. Um, do you still feel good about how the administration has has handled this? I mean, I, I won't put you on the, I, I do. Uh, I mean, I'm very proud of the institution. Do you share the same, I mean, do you share the same feelings still? Are you hearing beyond that frustration? Are you still hearing that um, you, you know, that folks knew that this could happen and that this is a prudent move? Yeah, I think Emil Buck and the Commandant have handled this, you know, terrible situation with great proactive leadership, with great compassion for the brigade. They're mids at heart, just like Ted Carter was. So, you know, otherwise they would have just been draconian, locked the place down and said, sucks to be you. Um, and they, that's not at all what they've done. As I've said, I defined it or called it bend but not break. And they didn't have to do that. And then in the face of the data with respect to COVID outbreaks, then they have to respond. Um, and, you know, I've talked to mids who none of them is, are, are pointing at the soup and going, he's not doing this right and it's not fair. They, as we've seen on the show, right, we're always commenting about how resilient the student athletes, the midshipman athletes we talk to are with respect to this bad hand that they've been dealt. I mean, this is their undergraduate life, right? I mean, their life goes on and their their signature moments are passing them by. It breaks my heart when you think about not having your ring dance, not having a Herndon climb, not having your parents in a house, you know, out in South River, for commissioning week so they can come watch the blue angels and watch you throw your cover in the air. You know, these are, these are consequential losses that they're handling with a morale that amazes me. And so I think this is 
the best of a bad situation, what we're seeing here. Um, I, as just a resident of Annapolis and somebody who enjoys just taking in the the events on the yard, uh, you know, I, I'm disappointed that it looks like we're we're for a uncertain amount of time going back to the most onerous lockdown uh, phase when it looked like in the face of vaccines and everything else that we were going to move forward. So I think the way this is going to roll out um, is, you know, testing and to sort of pony on what Wags was just answering. So as we know, once you test negative, there's another period of time where you have to continue to test negative. So it's sort of like you get a reset when you test negative and then 14 days. So if they've tested everybody on a team when they started this 10-day period, then maybe at the end of 10 days, we can resume practice and then competition, right? But if anybody, depending again on the sport, if it's an outdoor sport, you can get away with onesies and twosies and everybody else can press on. If it's an indoor sport like basketball or gymnastics, or we're starting to get in track and field and rifle and some other indoor sports, one equals none, right? So also it's not a one-size-fit-all kind of matrix for the other sports uh, that are that are in you know in our mix as well. So yeah, I think it's right that we point out it's a minimum of 10 day cessation. And that'll be a sort of go no-go based on COVID testing data. And we are familiar and we've described that in great detail uh, going forward. So I think it's before I forget it, it's ironic, sadly ironic that when I did the after the game wrap up with after the lacrosse game, um, I, I, I spoke to Coach um, Amplo, and my question, or among my questions, was, hey, Coach, when you were on the podcast with us, you had talked about how your team was in ISO, and you had some concerns that you would be you know, sort of off of the, the, the sort of trajectory with respect to when they hit the field, would they have ground ball skills and clears and at the X and the offensive schemes. And, and, and he said, yeah, that's going to be a challenge. So I asked him after their second victory um, yesterday um, uh, against um, Jacksonville in the rain. I mean, oh my God, <laughs> Navy lacks is mutters, my friend. And when they, when it got worse, they really came alive when it went from bad to worse in the second half. So we'll talk about that in a second, but coach said, I'm very happy with where we are with respect to the basic skills in the face of an ISO period, right? So now we're back to square one with respect to ISO and whatever they were leveraging. Now we're just completely back. And I know that has to be frustrating for the folks, the coaches that we, that are now friends of the show, like Tim Schull and, and Ampla. So, uh, you know, here we go. Another leadership challenge. So let, let's take that and kind of transition into the, the weekend. Um, in fact, Wags, actually before, anything that you want to add on the um, on the stand down or the pause, if you will, or do you want to let, – let's jump into the weekend. Well, I'll just say it's really sad for women's basketball because yeah. they were starting to play better. Uh, Tim Taylor had kind of gotten them organized, and I think they could have done a little bit of damage in the Patriot League tournament. It's just really sad that they would have a positive test at this time and have their season abruptly end. It's just, it's, it's like last spring. It's just not natural. You, you usually lose and end your season on the court in the basketball case. So it's just sad to see it end this way. And I feel for coach Taylor, what a, a very trying and difficult first season as head coach 
But uh, we know he's he's got the right stuff, and he's going to do some great things with this program moving forward. Um, but, yeah, let's get into the weekend, Chris. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, huh? Yeah, it was. I have to tell you, and, you know, Ward mentioned last week. So we've talked about before. I, I live down here in uh, uh, Florida. So my uh, my connection to Navy sports now is not being in Annapolis. It's uh, social media. Uh, they're following you guys. It's through Scott uh, Strassmeyer and sports information. It's the limited games that are on TV. I am loving the pregame, midgame, and postgame updates that you guys provide um, I was super jazzed. Uh, I have to tell you, I mean, I got so excited um, watching the the net be uh, cut down uh, yesterday. And we'll talk about that. I was excited watching John shiver his ass off at the women's uh, basketball game and Ward, that long hair has come in nicely. So, I mean, you, you know, you've gone from kind of the scruffy teenager look to the distinguished middle-aged guy as you talk about lacrosse. Uh, what stuck out to you guys this weekend as you were all over the, the Severn waterfront covering uh, Navy sports? Well, I'm going to get a haircut because my wife doesn't like it this long. So um, we actually are going to Florida next week for my nephew's wedding. We're probably not going to see the flow uh, get any longer than it is because um, I'm loving it. I would go full Marcus Aurelius if I could, you know. Um, but it, what struck me um, was the just how much pluck men's lacrosse has. Um, Jacksonville came out just with so much energy and momentum and they were owning us in the first quarter. Um, and then what coach revealed in the post game interview was because I asked him, I mean, it's like the first quarter and a half mean halfway through the second quarter was a completely different game from the balance of the game after that. And I said, what, what did you do something? Was it a key player change? Or he said, we stopped the ride. He said the ride was pressurizing the middies to the degree that they were not executing. So we just stopped the ride and that changed everything. He gave them enough sort of looseness and relaxed a smidge. And they started doing their mojo in the way that we saw in the opener. Uh, and that really did change. They went on a nine Oh run uh, at that, at that point. So very impressed. And as we already mentioned, the weather, it started rainy, and then it turned into a caddyshack. I don't think the heavy staff's coming down for some time, you know, father. Um, I mean, it was a deluge, standing water on the AstroTurf, which is crowned to have water drain, you know. So ground balls weren't rolling very far. Obviously, throwing end-to-end -end was an issue when the Viz is down to like you know, a quarter mile. But Navy thrived. They came alive in that heavy, heavy rain. So that was also impressive. And talking to uh, Jason Jarrah's in the uh, post game, and we're like, "Hey, how about the weather?" He's like, "What? There was weather?" He was like, totally, you know, focused and beyond it. Um, and uh, so again, these guys are badass, you know. That so that struck me. And then we'll talk maybe basketball in a sec. I'll hand it over to Wags uh, to tee that one up me uh, dovetail on something Chris mentioned. The, the quick hitters that we do pre-game, mid-game, and post-game are they are they're good. And I think anyone who's a fan of sing second sports wants to see those. That's kind of what we're here for. We're we're bringing you on the yard live 
from from the events. And so uh, really encourage everyone to follow Sing Second Sports on Twitter and Instagram, and you'll get those updates that we're doing. And, you know, like you, Ward said, divide and conquer. We had John was over at soccer. Ward was at lacrosse. Ward and I were together at basketball. So we're hitting a lot of events and bringing you right inside into the action. So I think that's uh, kind of a value that Sing Second Sports brings. Uh, let's wrap up real lacrosse real quick. Uh, Ward mentioned Navy was trailing 5-2 midway through the second quarter and outscored Jacksonville 12-2 the rest of the way, just completely took over the game. John Jaros, a freshman attackman that Coach Amplo touted on this podcast when we interviewed him for the preseason preview, he he didn't play in the opener. I'm going to guess he was unavailable for you-know-why. Um but he scored three goals, and he was outstanding. His brother, Jacob, who's older, he was the face-off whiz. He won 17 of 23 face-offs, which is just fabulous. And uh, that, that's, that bodes well for the future. Uh, James and he was player of the goal. game. He was player of the game as well. Absolutely. It deserves it. He, yeah. He's the yeah, one Jacob. that changed the game. Yeah. Yep, Jacob Jaros. Uh, James Flannery scored two goals. Tyler Perrington had two assists. And another freshman that we're hearing from, Bryson Ree, who, who dinged the net in the opener, had two more goals. So like in men's lacrosse on a lot of levels, women's lacrosse absolutely hammered George Washington. I mean, that was like somebody should have – I hope they did the running clock like they have in youth sports when it gets out of hand. Hurry up and end it. 22-2, um, to two, which is about the worst beating Navy's put on anyone – in recent history, women's lacrosse just rolled. Um, but my God, I'm looking at the results here, Chris, and it's just crazy. Uh, water polo won twice uh, over the weekend. They beat George Washington 16-12 on Saturday. They won again on Sunday um, over uh, LaSalle. Uh, just so much happening. Just reminder that John was at water polo. Uh, as well. So we've got, we've got the yard covered, you know, this is why you follow sing second. Um, we're not just here for the, the glory sports. We're here for everybody. And uh, John had some great coverage, which I actually retweeted in my roommate. I, I tagged him because he was on the water polo team back when it was a club sport. Uh, and he got a real kick out of seeing their success this weekend. So good stuff by John, as Wag said, we divided and we conquered um, and that's uh, that's what we're here for. A couple quick other things. Men swimming and diving swept, uh, beat Loyola handily on both the men's and women's side. The baseball beat George Mason three to two. Uh, that was all Saturday. And then on Sunday, you had soccer made its debut, and it was some um, good and bad news. Women's soccer lost to Colgate two to one. And Ward and I saw Rob Blank, who's the assistant coach for women's soccer, at basketball and we asked him what happened and he said it was just it was ridiculous he said the weather was so bad you couldn't really play soccer he said in normal times the referees probably would have not played the game they would have said no we're not playing but in COVID air when you don't know when you're going to play again as we just found out uh they decided to play the game but it was really not conducive talking about the assistant coach we talked to at the basketball game what he described which I want to put in the listener's mind's eye was imagine trying to kick a ball in standing water and so they'd kick it and it wouldn't roll and they were tripping over the ball so you know just think of that in your in your mind and a, a, a try playing a division one game in those conditions 
You know, he says in any other normal times, we win those that game. Men beat Colgate two to one. So it was a good and bad news situation on the men's soccer side. And then swimming and diving was back at it on Sunday again. And men's and women ripped on George Washington. So swimming and diving, both men's and women had two big wins. Loyola Saturday, George Washington Sunday. And I don't want to forget about Navy Rifle. They play sixth at the Great American Rifle Championships. Uh, so that was their conference championships. They play sixth. I know Mike Zanti was the top rifle uh, performer in that event. So just action-packed. I mean, this is how it's going to be the rest of the spring. Your Navy sports calendar is loaded to the gills. It's hard to keep up with all of it. and uh, But we'll try to be as many events as possible. Of course, men's basketball with big victory. 66-58 over Loyola, clinches the Patriot League championship. That is the first regular season championship for Navy men's basketball since 2000. That's Don DeVoe was the head coach. There's been two long-standing head coaches since then. That was Don DeVoe ended up coaching another six or seven seasons after that. So, yeah, a really huge news for men's basketball. Two of our players out. Um, you know, Cam was out uh, for COVID tracing and Richard Njoku is out for a non-COVID related medical issue. Coach DeCellis was out for a non-COVID related medical issue. So you don't have your head coach and two of your key players. But like they did on Saturday, the team showed a lot of depth and heart uh, to dig in and and get the win. It, it was gritty as I put on, on our Twitter page, a gritty win, but they, they got it done. And I think what we saw here in general is a depth of field that they have leveraged all year. In fact, at the beginning of the second half, Wags pointed out that one of the best players was not who'd had great productive success in the first half was not on the starting roster to begin the second half. And what I thought, and what I said, is sort of like, a hockey line where you want to have fresh legs coming in, you know, halfway through the second half. And that's proved to be the, the strategy and it, it worked, but um, Loyola did not go easy. And, and so it really did come down to uh, the end stretch and Navy showing a lot of heart. And, you know, sometimes you see them huddle up just among the players at the top of the key or at half court and sort of like, okay, let's settle down here and sort of coach themselves and it showed a lot of maturity with respect to their ability to uh, to Roger up when they had to. So it was a great win, but not an easy win, and despite what it looked like uh, it should have been on paper. Over to you, Wags, with some of the other details. As we move forward, Wags, what does this week look like for Navy basketball? We're going to do a, uh, a Patriot League tournament preview show later this week to really dive in. We're hoping to get Coach Tuchelis and and Cam to join us and uh, may talk to a, an alumni or two to kind of, you know, place this year's season in the pantheon that is, uh, you know, the, the storied Navy basketball uh, history. But you mentioned that they're, you know, staying at the Navy Lodge over on the, um, on the Na uh, Naval Station. What will the team do this week as it prepares for either Holy Cross or Loyola at Saturday, uh, on Saturday at noon? Well, I would hope that they're going to be able to get into Alumni Hall because Navy will host the winner of the Loyola Holy Cross first round game. There are two Patriot League tournament first round games on Wednesday night. Navy hosts the winner of 
the Loyola Holy Cross game. So uh, it'll be uh, Saturday at noon. Alumni Hall is the big game. That's the Patriot League quarterfinals. Um, and it will, uh, they got to get into Alumni Hall and shoot. You want to get accustomed to the arena where you're going to play the game. So I'm hoping this COVID shutdown doesn't prevent them from using that facility for practice purposes. Um, going to be a big one. I'm really looking forward to it. Again, going into the Patriot League tournament, it's a sad, kind of a sad history for Navy in the Patriot League tournament. Uh, during the entire era of Coach Billy Lang, and for about the first seven seasons, six or seven of Coach Tuchelis, Navy was on an uh, incredibly terrible streak of losing in the first round of the Patriot League tournament every year. It was like something like 13 straight years of losing in the first round. I, I don't see that happening this year. That yeah, would be a monumental upset. I think Navy's going to be ready to go. And I'm excited about the prospect of Navy basketball capturing the Patriot League tournament championship and going to the NCAA tournament. How cool would that be? Uh, they haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 1998. Yes, yeah, since I was a midshipman. That was a long time ago. Do you care, Ward, who they play, Holy Cross or Loyola? Do you have a preference one way or the other? Well, so I haven't scouted Holy Cross. I'll let Wags uh, let us know. Certainly, we're very familiar with Loyola. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I'll leave it to Wags to tell me what would be the, the preference. Loyola can bring game. We saw that every time they've played them this year. Um, so I don't know how they stack up against Holy Cross Wags. What, do you, what would be your druthers? So obviously Navy has uh, played Loyola four times. So we're very familiar with Loyola and Navy's won every one of those games. So you feel good about how Navy goes against Loyola. Navy did not play Holy Cross uh, just because of the divisional setup. Navy wasn't traveling all the way up to Worcester to play Holy Cross. So uh, we'll be interesting, Chris. Well, we'll know soon enough. Um, as you said, they will play, and then uh, we'll, we'll find out um, who uh, who our opponent is, and we'll have an opportunity to uh, to talk to Coach Tuchelis and and hopefully a few of the players, and you know, get their thoughts on one what they've been uh, doing to prepare for the tournament, and two, you know, what they think of uh, their their likely opponent. Before we wrap this kind of special edition up. Um, Wags, I wanted to ask you about the wrestling tournament. Uh, Navy uh, fared uh, pretty well going into uh, uh, Coach Kolab's first uh, tournament as the uh, as the head coach. What what were your thoughts uh, after watching uh, Navy uh, battle this weekend? Yeah, we cannot leave out wrestling. That was a big deal. On Friday night, Navy competed in the Eastern Intercollegiate Wrestling Association Championships. Uh, Navy had not won that event since the early nineties. So uh, it was setting up the Ivy leagues did not participate just so people know Ivy league schools are very strong in wrestling. Cornell in particular has captured multiple EIWA team titles. The Ivy leagues are not competing this season. So that changed the entire complexion of the EIWA tournament. Uh, Navy took a big hit going into the tournament. Casey Cobb, the starting 141 pounder did not wrestle. And so that just changed everything because he was a high seed. I think he was the number two seed and he would have done damage and scored points. And he was unavailable before we probably know why. Um, and that, that just, you cannot have an un, 
occupied weight class not scoring any points in an event like this. So Lehigh claimed its fourth consecutive team title, 37th overall, and had four individual champions. Army placed second, and Navy was third. Uh, Army uh, had 149 points, and Navy had 141 total. Um, Navy did have some individual champions. Cody Travis repeated as EIWA champ, and then uh, Logan Treister, Jacob Allen, Andrew Siniglia, Danner Schedule, David Key, and Jacob Koser also earned automatic firsts into the NCAA championships, which, thank goodness, are not until mid-March, March 18th and 20th at Enterprise Center in St. Louis. But Navy did very well in qualifying wrestlers for the NCAA tournament. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their 10 possible wrestlers. Now, they did not choose to put a fill-in at 141 pounds because they think Casey Cobb could still possibly get an at-large berth into the NCAA tournament. He's ranked very highly. He has a strong resume. So even though he did not participate in the EIWA tournament, there is a possibility he could get a bid to the NCAA tournament, an at-large berth, and that's why Navy chose not to replace him. But not having Casey Cobb has probably cost Navy any chance of being the team champ at the IWAs. I mean, just an exciting wrestling season. It's so great to have uh, Coach Colat, uh, and uh, you can see the impact that he's had uh, on this program uh, just in that, that one season. Ward, final thoughts before we uh, take this out? We want to wish Coach DeCellis uh, a speedy recovery uh, so he can be on the scene here with this very important week coming up. And then the rest of the brigade, you know, let's let's do the right things with respect to the COVID protocols and uh, get back to normal sooner rather than later, because things were looking really good in terms of the spring forecast with with sports and also the ancillary brigade activities. So uh, everybody do your part. You know, uh, one person's uh, missteps can can cause a lot of gnashing of teeth. So uh, just if you're listening to this and you're a member of the brigade, uh, you know, thank you for obeying your part of the COVID protocols. And uh, in, in due course, we'll all be out of this terrible circumstance. Wags, what can folks uh, look forward to uh, seeing from you this week in the Capitol? Well, at this point, I'm going to do a uh, follow up about this whole pause. I'm going to try to talk to the doctor, at uh, the Naval Academy head doctor, talk to Chuck Gladchuck. I'm also going to talk to Tim Taylor and. You know, when I spoke to him Friday night in the wake of the news that the Army uh, there or that the games this weekend were off um, and that their season might be over, he, he, he didn't know for sure that they were not going to be allowed to participate in the Patriot League tournament. Now he does know that. So I'm going to talk to Tim Taylor and get some reaction to him and kind of summarize his first season at Navy. Uh, but then I've got two other stories related to basketball as we kind of get primed up for what is the only event of the week, the Saturday Patriot League Tournament quarterfinal at Alumni Hall. I'm going to do a big takeout on why was Navy basketball so successful this season? What was it about this team, the chemistry, camaraderie? You know, uh, Ward and I heard a little bit about that on the post-game press conference yesterday. They're talking about the, the family atmosphere, and the, they just they seem to have found that, that certain you-know-what that leads to success. They've got the chemistry and camaraderie. And then I'm also going to write about 
1985-86 Navy men's basketball team. They have been celebrating their 35th anniversary all season. Uh, no in-person celebration, obviously. Couldn't invite them back to Annapolis for uh, to be at Alumni Hall and get recognized by the fans. But obviously, as we all know, that was David Robinson, Vernon Butler, Doug Wojcik, Kyler Whitaker, uh, just an incredible group, a uh, great team that went to three straight NCAA tournament bursts, but the 85-86 team went to the Elite Eight. That's the team that upset Syracuse, um, won three games. They then beat Cleveland State in the uh, Sweet 16, and they went to the Elite Eight and played Duke, which ended up going to the Final Four. Uh, that's how the season ended with Duke, a very talented Duke team. But I'm going to write a little bit of kind of reminiscing, reflecting about that great 85-86 team led by legendary David Robbins. Well, it sounds, uh, it sounds like you'll be busy in spite of uh, the, the pause. Um, as I mentioned, we will be back later in the week with a basketball preview show as we uh, get you ready uh, for Saturday's noon game. Uh, the last thing I'll say is uh, I was lucky enough to be at the Naval Academy from 1995 to 1999 the most recent heyday for Navy basketball. I love this team. They very much remind me of, uh, of those teams of the Don DeVoe era. Um, I can't wait to watch on Saturday. Um, and I would be lying to you if I wasn't peeking a little bit ahead to the uh, NCAA tournament. I know we can't get a, uh, ahead of ourselves, but uh, I think if there's any team that can do it, th this is the team. Uh, Ward, Wags, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for bearing with me as I fill in uh, for John. A special thanks to Mills Fine Wine and Spirits and Academy Consulting for their generous sponsorship. Uh, we will talk to you all later in the week. Uh, for John Ward, Wags, we are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show, and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments.